Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. I'm Travis. This is Kyle. And Kyle, moments ago, mere moments, news broke that the Bears finally signed Yannick Ngakwe. It, How yeah, are you feeling? It, I'm feeling great. I mean, it's been the most, the most poorly kept secret, I feel like, for like months at this point, where it was like, it at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to whether or not some contender, I think, lost. I think he was maybe hoping somewhere along the line some uh, some contender might lose an edge to an early camp injury and offer him the same money. But in the end, Yannick, uh, unfortunately for you, beggars cannot be choosers. You are now a Chicago Bear. So how, how do you feel about Yannick Ngakwe, Chicago Bear? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Yannick fan. Um, just another one of these guys, kind of like Hassan Reddick, uh, who just uh, can't seem to get more than a a one-year deal i i do think he had a two-year deal before this technically felt like a couple one-year deals because he played for two different teams um but he's played drafted by the jaguars and then he was like traded to the vikings but never played for them traded to the ravens and then uh, signed with the raiders and then traded to the colts uh and throughout it all he has never had a season with fewer than eight sacks um he's had as many as 12 and a half sacks uh, he's a pure pass rush guy. I do think part of his talent has been mitigated by, you know, teams trying to get the most out of him, trying to throw him in on rundowns. He's not as effective there, and it tires him out, I think, for that pass rush. I'd like to see the Bears keep him uh, rested for pass rush situations. So I really I don't expect him to be an every-down player, personally. Yeah, I mean, so uh, the thing about Yannick is, I mean, we talked about this one uh, way back when we were talking about free agency. I mean, he is... Just the dictionary definition of a one-trick pony. I mean, he this this is not a guy who's interested in playing the run. Um, You know, he's going to line up in the wide nine, basically, and then he's going to race around the edge. um, And that's just what he's going to do. He's going to get it. You're going to be able to run right past him, but he will he will get his sacks. He will get his hurries. Um, so, I mean, Pro Football Focus, they track their sacks uh, a little differently than official NFL sacks uh, because they, they don't do, like, half sacks, for instance. They just give sure. they just give each guy a full sack. So, according to them, this is what Yannick has done sack-wise in his career. 12 sacks, 10 sacks, 7 sacks, 8 sacks, 10 sacks, 13 sacks, 8 sacks. Um, I mean, just a dude who he is a consistently successful pass rusher his best season uh did come early on in his career on that 2017 jaguars team where they were just unexpectedly one of the best defenses um in the nfl but yeah i mean he's 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 a true mercenary um i I bet he's probably somewhere else in 2024 but for what the specific need on this bears defensive line is um he is the best fit there and yeah I, i don't think he'll be an every down guy i think um on a lot of first and second downs, I think what you'll see probably is like Rasheem Green and Demarcus Walker lining up at edge with Billings and maybe Jervin Dexter uh, at three technique because I know he's getting. Do I have to I've been tripping like an Indian player, this the shit. 
no, yeah. eh, eh, no, no, it's too soon. <laughs> you said his name. And it's, it's time it's to swerve soon. with German. It's, no, it's too soon. No, you don't it's get a finish. Soon. You don't get to finish your thought. <laughs> did you did you push the button? I don't hear it. I pressed the button. No, you don't get to hear it. It's it's only on my side. I'm jamming oh, okay. out to the song, and you're just sitting over there in silence. But oh, we are okay. now swerving with German Kyle. Yes. Before okay. we get back to talking about this defensive line, I can't go one more goddamn second without talking about how good Jervon Dexter have, Senior is. Have your, <laughs> have your moment. Have your moment. Talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. He is uh, uh, so all week leading up to playing with pads on. Uh, every bear who has been asked about Jervon Dexter has said one thing, Kyle, and that one thing is, "Holy shit, that's a big dude." Uh, yeah. he, he is an absolute monster, which people forget, uh, because Zach Pickens is also a huge guy. Um, uh, and since he put those pads on, he's been showing the same kind of explosiveness. It sounds like doing a good job of getting past Cody Whitehair. Um, sounds like he, he put Patrick in the spin cycle a couple times. Not, not the most impressive dudes to blow by, but also not bad. Um, the other thing I'm hearing is that when he is stuffed, when he's stopped, he's like stopping these guys and saying, how'd you know I was going to do that? How did you stop me? How do I get leverage against you? So he seems like a dude who is just uh, about as excited as can be uh, to finally really try pass rushing since he wasn't able to at Florida. And uh, he's he's impressing. I'm very excited. How are you feeling, Kyle? How are you feeling about Trevon? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it really... It sounds like everyone's been very impressed just by how ridiculously strong that the kid is. Um, and I mean, and that that shows up when you watch him in college. That is, he is a big yeah. physical presence. He is a guy who just one of those dudes. That, I mean, we, we're talking about those Zach Pickens too. Like, I mean, the you know you see why he was a five star. The talent is not in question. It's just, you know, will he ever learn how to utilize it properly? We have reasons to think that, you know, his success or his struggles at Florida weren't really about whether he was utilizing it properly anyways, or it was more um, how he was being utilized by the coaching staff, um, as we talked about. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like, in you know, he's learning. We talked about this with... Uh, this scheme, I mean, it's it's very it's an attacking scheme. They don't ask their defensive linemen to do a lot of thinking. You are to just snap off the ball and and make hell. Uh, and so he, it seems like he's taken to that. Um, I really haven't heard as much about Pickens. He hasn't really seemed to be as impressive in the early going. But yeah, I mean, um, they started tracking sacks in camp just yesterday. Uh, for their padded pra- with the second padded practice, and and Jervin was awarded a sack and fought through a double team for it. I mean, it really it does sound like the kid's potential at least is impressing the other pros around him. So yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, it's it's so early, and we're gonna say that a lot tonight as we we get into talking about camp and everything. But like, you'd rather hear good things than bad things, and certainly he he so far is is impressing people. So. But yeah, I know what I was saying before then when I mentioned Jervin is I, I think um, it sounds like they've been working him in at three technique actually a bit too. Um, and oh. I kind of wonder I kind of wonder if the plan maybe <laughs> on first and second downs is, you know, something like Rasheem Green at, and Walker at the edge with Jervin at, at the three technique and Billings as the nose. 
And then in pure passing situations on third downs, I wonder if you'll see Walker kick into the three technique, see Jervin yep. move over to the one, and then your ends will then be in Gakwe and maybe like Travis Gibson or or um, maybe you know, a Terrell, Terrell Lewis is it who's having a good camp so far. Uh, the thing, yeah, Terrell Lewis, they're, they're really raving about his great camp so far, but I, and we'll talk about this in just a little bit too, but I'm a little worried that that's actually just an indication that maybe Darnell Wright so far is not having the kind of camp we hoped for him to have to this point. And it is early. Um, Two days, three days. I have to say, when I hear, when I hear Terrell Lewis is beating Darnell Wright off the edge. I don't get the warm fuzzies about Terrell Lewis as a breakout guy. Again. <laughs> I get the opposite feeling about Darnell Wright. So, yeah. um, but as anyone who listened to the bad bears tournament will know, that's probably hopefully just scar tissue from all of the bears. First round tackles of your, who, uh, I mean, for the most part, they all disappoint so early on. Like, I don't know yeah. that I have had, Gabe Karimi went down like the second game of his rookie year. Uh, Tevin Jenkins didn't even practice his first training camp. Um, Mark Colombo went down as a rookie. Uh, Chris Williams didn't even practice his first training camp. Like I don't know that a single Bears offensive tackle that they've taken in the first or second round of late has made it through their rookie year before they found a way to deflate my hopes and dreams entirely. So Darnell, we're really hoping on Darnell there, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think this, I just said this on Twitter, but I, I think if you were asking me if this Bears defensive line is still like a bottom five unit right now, I'd say on paper they are, but that's actually still a huge improvement from last year when they were, um, the worst offense or their worst defensive line in the league. But like we said, they weren't even just like the worst defensive line in the league. They were probably the worst defensive line anyone has put together in the last five, six, seven years in the league. Like if you were to throw some college defensive lines on there, that Bears defensive line last year might have been like the 38th best defensive line in the country. Um, and I think this year, yeah, I, I still don't think this is a good defensive line, but it is it is a a regular bad NFL defensive line. And if they can just be if they can just get the the you keep liking to say token pressures, but like you know yeah. if you just if, if they can just be good enough that guys aren't sitting back there for four or five seconds, they have like we said they have built this this pass defense. They've kind of built it back to front instead of front to back. They've got the secondary pieces in place. They've invested heavily in second round corners and second round safeties, um, and they obviously invested heavily in terms of cash in that linebacker core. So um, I think Eberflus he kind of wants you to throw the ball into the teeth of his defense, but they just need the, yep. you know, you just want the, you just want the defensive line to, to be good enough that that quarterback, you know, is maybe being forced to get rid of that ball a tick earlier than he'd like to. Um, but yeah, this is not going to be a defensive line that, you know, that they, they, they're not going to just rush for every game and have that be their entire game plan. But it, yep. it's, it, it is, it should be functional. It should be a lot better than what we saw when we saw them last in December. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, it's, it's hard to be disappointed with Yannick and Gakwe at all. It's it's a good signing. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you brought up the token pressures, um, but that the last thing I wanted to say about Yannick is last year, if the Bears got another team into a situation like a third and seven or more, uh, and we knew that team was going to pass, and we rushed for 
or even sent an additional guy um, and we're rushing five, there was still not even that token pressure. We had nobody on the team who, even knowing that the quarterback's going to get the ball, there's no doubt, could get anywhere near the quarterback, it felt like. Um, and Yannick is absolutely that dude. If you bring him in there on third and eight, he's going straight at the quarterback. He's going to put pressure on him. Um, and, you know, your Kirk Cousins, your Jordan's love, um, and your Jared's golf are going to have to throw the damn ball before six seconds on the play clock, right? And that's yeah. going to cause trouble. Because especially, I mean, if you want to lead into it, um, the other guy who everybody is pointing at and saying, that, that guy's a freak of nature, uh, has been Tremaine Edmonds so far. It seems like the one yeah. guy the Bears offense wants to talk about is that freak in the middle. Like, I keep throwing Justin's like yeah. I'm throwing the ball over him, and he's just there. He's as tall yeah. as a skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. Justin uh, Justin said that he had a pass the other day that he thought that he was like, if there were, if, if it was almost any other linebacker in the country, that's a, that's a big chunk gain for our offense, but Tremaine Edmonds is just there being seven foot tall. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I think when Edmonds was signed, some people kind of expected him to be the weak side linebacker because historically that's always been the linebacker spot in this Tampa two defense. You know, we all remember Lance Briggs. We all remember Derek Brooks, but I mean, again, this isn't, this isn't 20 years ago. The defense isn't the same um, as it was then. And clearly what they envisioned is, you know, Tremaine Edmonds playing more of the Erlacher role, the guy who just mm -hmm. ranges sideline to sideline um, and, and tries to erase your tight end and erase those those deep crossers. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, and we talked about that with Tremaine, with Tremaine Edmonds. If, if he is truly the guy that he was in that last year in Buffalo, and there is a lot of reason to think that that was not a fluke, that that was just a guy who entered the league at an incredibly young age, finally figuring it out just in time to to, to, to leave Buffalo. Um, but if it is just a guy who, who the light came on, who is now recognizing and reading offenses instead of just reacting to the play as it happened... Um, I mean, he's got all the all the talent in the world. I mean, and if if that if he truly did just level up last year, and he's going to be that guy in coverage year after year, he's going to be worth that contract. As crazy as yeah. it sounds, because I mean that that they don't make a lot of those guys. Um, it's kind of like you, you know, linebackers become one of those positions. Off ball linebackers become one of those positions that's, that's gotten devalued financially a little bit um in the nfl kind of like not to the extent that running back has but a little bit like running back has and i feel the same way about off-ball linebackers uh the same way i do feel about running backs in that there are maybe only four or five guys that are truly worth paying and actually like building your offense around but i mean if you have one of those four or five guys that's a huge advantage over a lot of the league, because I mean, if you have, uh, you know, it, I, he's a little past that window now. But like, if you had Alvin Kamara in his prime, like that was a guy who that was still worth paying because like you, there are so many things you could do in your offense with a guy like that. You know, if you had if Ladanian Tomlinson entered the NFL right now, that guy would still be worth paying because if you have a guy that can be your top running back, top wide receiver. I mean, if you had a Matt Forte, those guys would still be worth paying um, because of the versatility they give you. And it's the same with, with off-ball linebacker. Yeah, the vast majority of them are relatively interchangeable. They're not worth paying. But if you have a Fred Warner, um, that dude 
is a complete game changer for what he lets you do on defense. And Tremaine Edmonds, you know, he, he's only half flashed that for this one year. But if that one year is representative of who he's going to be going forward, yeah, that offers you so much on defense, the things you can do, the blitz packages you can run, knowing that you can cover the middle of the field with that guy um, and, and erase the hot reads and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised that they are impressed with Tremaine Edmonds. I think he he's a specimen, uh, just like Jervin Dexter. They are spe- Those are the kind of guys that, you know, just when you see him in camp and you see him in practice, you're just like, holy shit, th- these, are, these are dudes. Yeah. Um, these, these are men. And this was a huge problem last year. Um, we talked about this a couple months ago, but the Bears, they had guys who knew how to play football. They had guys with good football minds, uh, but they were completely out, out-talented out by the rest oh, of the yeah. NFL Oh, yeah, they just did year. not have... Well, and I mean, I thought, for the most part, I thought on defense, and this is tough to say about a defense that statistically was like the worst in the NFL, but um, I thought for the most part that uh, Eberflus and Allen Williams had good game plans. Yep. They really did. I mean, they, they did. They baffled they baffled the Eagles for about two and a half quarters. They baffled the Packers. They baffled um, Buffalo. And, and then eventually, I mean, in every single one of those games, the lack of talent eventually shined through and they got worn down at the end. But, like, schematically, they were doing some good stuff. And I think when they have, like I said, when you have a TJ Edwards and you have a Tremaine Edmonds, um, and the versatility that those guys offer you as linebackers, you can do a lot of things in terms of pressure packages, in terms of blitzes. Um, but yeah, and speaking of pressure packages and blitzes, a guy that has apparently impressed so far in Bears camp and maybe appears to be taking that sophomore leap, sophomore leap a guy that we really need to take that sophomore leap, uh, Kyler Gordon is drawing a lot of rave Reviews got himself a nickname as Spider-Man. He did, um, yeah. But yeah, early on, it sounds like um, we, we said that, you know, they needed to just leave, instead of moving him back and forth like they did last year, they needed to just stick him at nickel or stick mm-hmm. him outside and just leave him there. And he's he's only playing nickel. Um, the outside, the other outside spot, the competition is it appears solely to be at this point between Tyreek Stevenson and, uh, t- oh. Uh, Terrell Smith. Terrell Smith, yeah. yeah. Um, Terrell Smith, then they are, they appear to be having a spirited competition, but yeah, they're they're leaving Kyler at the nickel, and it sounds like he's thriving. He's breaking up plays in the backfield on the run. He had an interception the other day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic if Kyler Gordon is, is making that sophomore leap, is more comfortable, um, and he's ready to be, you know, a true, a true plus at the nickel position. Because, I mean, that's... In this scheme, the, the key positions really are there, there's there's the linebacker, the two linebackers, there is the safety, and we have we believe we have that as long as he's healthy and Eddie Jackson, um, and there, there's the nickel corner. Those are all, and then obviously the three technique, which we're still not sure if we have one of those. Maybe it's going to be Jervin. I don't know, but uh, you know you need the three technique, you need the linebacker, you need the nickel corner, and you need the safety. Those are the the four key guys. Um, yeah. And yeah, if Kyler is ready to be that guy, that that gives them a lot of versatility too. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the early word on the defense right now. Some guys are, yeah, they're the what guys you, that you want. What do you what do you make of uh, the little rookie competition at outside corner? I've heard so I've it I've heard that Tyreek has struggled, but only in a way that makes it like every time he struggles, I'm hearing like 
Chase Claypool rips the ball away from Tyreek Stevenson. Or like, you know, most of those plays, we're, we're getting one a camp. Justin Fields to DJ Moore, it's just beautiful, right? Um, you know, it's really it's, filling my heart with joy. But it's always like right over poor Tyreek's outstretched yeah. hand. And it's like, is that his fault? That pass was perfect. Well, it's right to DJ. You know, it's funny because um, tra- training camp, you know, if you live and die on training camp reports, um, it's the only time where you are, as a fan, are rooting for your defense to give up like a 100% completion yeah, rate. Yeah, right. <laughs> because the first couple days of camp, by all accounts, the offense was having a better time of it than the defense. People were talking good things about Justin Fields. People were excited about Chase Claypool. Everyone's been raving about DJ Moore. And yeah, it did seem like a lot of, you know, Tariq Stevenson was the victim of a lot of those highlight reel plays. Um, and then it sounds like the last couple games Tyreek Stevenson's had, or the last couple days Tyreek Stevenson's had himself a very good game. And then yesterday was the first day where it really seemed like the consensus was that the defense had flat out won the day. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too optimistic, which is not usually what one says about me. Um, but... To me, having spent a lifetime covering, you know, following Bears training camps, I was like, man, it took till day seven of camp before everyone agreed that yeah. the defense won the day. That's fantastic yeah. progress. But, of course, on the other uh, other end of the spectrum, you always have Dan Wiederer, um, who immediately went with just the most negative coverage of it, absolutely, and then Mark Potash in the press conference was given Justin Fields shit about saying that iron sharpens iron and all that. Um, it's just, they, they basically were demanding a public apology from Justin Fields because the offense <laughs> had one bad day at camp so far. And I mean, we talked about this where, we, you know, if it is consistently a problem, if it's consistently, oh God, Justin Fields struggled again today, we'll, we'll start to worry about that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But I'm not worried about one day of practice. And, and by all accounts, it wasn't even like a consistent beating by the defense. It was, you know, and it wasn't even all Justin Fields struggling. The, the run game couldn't get going. The offensive line struggled. There were some drop passes. There were some tipped passes. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I, it was so funny how quickly. I, mean, I really was, though. I was like, yeah, you've had seven training camp practices and only one of them they consider the defense to be the clear winner. Does anyone remember what training camp reports were like last year? It was very brutal. It was an awful, awful thing. I mean, every every single day it was like, well, Justin Field, whose first string wideouts today were Tajay Sharp and Nisimba Webster, mm-hmm. uh, if this had been a real game, would have been sacked 11 times. Um <laughs> Right. The offense did maybe theoretically get a field goal, though. It's you know, so I'm I'm not gonna freak out over one one day of camp where the defense was the clear winner. But at the same time, like that's what's funny about following training camp every day is people are like, when Tyreek Stevens getting burned all the time by Chase Claypool and DJ Moore, it's like, oh, this guy was like basically one of their top three picks, and he's just trash. He's getting burned, and yeah. then Tyreek Stevenson. Has a good day, breaks up a couple passes to Chase Claypool, and it's like, man, what the fuck is wrong with Justin Fields today? Why is <laughs> Tyreek Stevenson breaking up all these passes? He's a scrub. Yeah. Fuck him. So it's the only time you're rooting for your defense to just get absolutely torched. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I do think the defense sounds like they are a better unit than last year. I mean, it would be hard to be much worse. 
Um, but I do think, you know, this defensive line is now, like we said, it's functional enough that it should keep that back seven that they've invested so much in uh, from being exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should be enough to hopefully keep them in games because I do, like I said, I did like what Eberflus and Allen Williams did schematically on defense last year. Um, you can go to the Super Bowl and you can look at the Chiefs and they took some stuff from the way the Bears defended Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in the regular season. The Chiefs took some stuff from that game plan. It was that creative. Um, and so I think they've got enough tool. And, and that was something that Eberflus was known for in Indianapolis, too. They did not have top-tier talent at every level of that defense. It was a lot of—I mean, that defense was constantly rotating guys on the defensive line. DeForest Buckner—I mean, and that's a big— that's a big cornerstone to have there, but they still, DeForest Buckner was like their only, you know, cornerstone on that defensive line. Otherwise they were moving parts in and out. Um, and he, they consistently gave top 10, top 15 defenses out of a lot of guys that you haven't heard of. Um, and so that's the hope with this year's Bears defenses that they can just be good enough. Um, and that the offense, you know, will take a step forward. So speaking about the offense taking a step forward, uh, like we were just saying, Yes, it does sound like they had kind of a rough Wednesday practice. It really doesn't sound like it was the end of the world. Um, yeah. You know, a couple batted balls, a couple dropped passes. Um, I am a little concerned. Should we talk about Darnell Wright a little bit? Should we talk about the offensive line a little bit? Because once again, what did we say about both Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins? We're a little worried yep. about the health of both of those guys. And here we are one week into camp, and they are both out of action at the moment. So haven't really heard anything about how long either of them's expected to be out because Eberflus is currently just going full Belichick on the injury front. Um, but yeah, not great that we are a week in and already both starting guards who have, you know, Nate Davis has been healthier than Tevin Jenkins in his career, but has never, as far as I know, started a full 17, 16, 17 games. Right. Tevin Jenkins, as we know, has never started more than 12 games. So that's the first concern for me uh, on offense is our, we in in terms of guards we have no guards. Yeah, these. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I can't be that concerned about Darnell right right because the guy who's supposed to be right next to him uh, was gone on the day he had the bad day. Um, you know, the first day he was out there, he got beat inside by Terrell Lewis, which is where this Terrell Lewis talk started, I think. Um, but I had heard multiple accounts that said he did pretty well the rest of the day um you know he just got beat right off the bat and that kind of set the tone um but yeah i mean it's it's a story we've been talking about since the bears decided to go this route since we decided to stick with tevin jenkins um since we didn't throw more money at uh isaac samalo um these guys are gonna i still wish we had man they feel get used get used to jatir carter um get used to seeing other guards out there because there's these guys are going to be on the bench for probably six out of the 17 games at least, right? I will say I am, it does sound like the, it's actually not, excuse me, not Jeter Carter, um, but it, it the first guard off the bench uh, when Tevin went down at left guard anyway, sounds like it was Alex Leatherwood. Um, and what I am hearing really? is that they, I did not see that. Yeah, and what I'm hearing is they have been exclusively working Alex Leatherwood at left guard, they're not bothering with the right tackle experiment anymore, which is probably okay. for the best. He was a disaster there 
in Las Vegas, and he did not play well there, the little opportunity he got at that position last year with the Bears. So they're they're sticking him at guard and, and just truly sticking him at guard and leaving him there, which I think is great. Um, so I'm a little interested to hear. I haven't really gotten any reports on how he actually looked there. I just heard that he was getting most of the reps in Tev's absence. But, I mean, I am a little interested in seeing how that progresses as camp goes along because, I mean, that is a guy that is still intriguing. Um, for one, I mean, he was he was a bad as a rookie, he was a bad left guard in Las Vegas when they when they gave up on him at right tackle and moved him to left guard. Um, but he was a better left guard, excuse me, than he was a right tackle, which is again because it would have been a lot, it would have been almost impossible to be worse. But still, he did play better left guard better than he played right tackle when he played it in real games. Uh, and he's had most of a year to sit and retool his footwork and everything that they wanted him to work on. Um, he's now focusing solely. On guard, he's not splitting reps between guard and tackle anymore. Um, so I'm a little interested to, to find out because I mean, Alex Leatherwood is still a guy. He is a guy with a first round pedigree. He is a guy with all the physical talent and ability in the world. Um, so he is an interesting depth project for sure. Uh, at the other guard, it sounds like when Nate Davis hasn't been in there, they have been playing Lucas Patrick um, at right guard, and that you know also concerns us because Lucas Patrick. Was, he did not play well at guard. I'd he was very bad last year. Yeah, I think we'd. Yeah, I think I'm almost like yeah. I mean, if if that's the case, can't we just move Cody to guard, move back to guard, Cody and play Patrick right at guard. center? But I think they're also trying to avoid. Right now, anyways, they're trying to avoid. Speaking moving of which, Whitehair around too much. Speaking of Cody Whitehair, since you brought him up, uh, he has again put multiple snaps on the fucking ground, that's, just like he yeah, used to. That is a problem. That is a problem, which is probably why they don't want that guy shuffling over to guard right now. They need to work on the snaps. But yeah, it's it is. I, at what point do you just say the guy can't snap the ball? <laughs> he can't do it. He's going to fumble it twice a game. I don't I don't think they can say it, man, because they went and they didn't do anything else at center this goddamn offseason as badly as we begged them to. I mean, Ethan Pochich was just sitting there. He signed for basically nothing, but they still didn't do it, and that's... I mean, we might as well get a segment carved out. I'm going to put up some audio, and it's going to be how many times uh, did Cody Whitehair fumble a snap this week and drive Travis fucking insane. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll just start setting it up right now. We got football in, what, six weeks? Uh, every week, folks, I'm, I'm going to get you primed. You weren't, uh, we weren't doing the podcast when I was last freaking out about Cody Whitehair Cody. being at center and then James Daniels being at guard and Cody Whitehair fumbling the ball all the time. Yeah, you'd be messaging me like, hey, this Cody Whitehair kid, they got him at center and he can't snap. And I would be like, Matt Barkley is a quarterback. Who fucking cares, man? Yeah. Why are you, <laughs> right, exactly. Does it matter yeah. that this man can't snap the ball? Like, who is he like, snapping don't it don't to? Don't bother me. I'm, I'm out yeah. with my wife and children, dude. Shut yeah. up. Why are you watching this game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choose to live, Travis. Choose to live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't watch him do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, again, it would be, I, did I expect the Bears offensive line to... Good, yeah. To cohere into a top-tier unit in one week of training camp, especially since it's only been two padded practices, no. Would I like to go one fucking training camp of my life without hearing about how the offensive line is a disaster early going? Um, yes, that would be nice. So, still optimistic that this is going to be a better unit than last year in the long run. But obviously, I mean, we need Nate Davis to fucking practice. We need yeah. Tevin Jenkins to fucking practice. 
Uh, it does sound like Darnell Wright, at least when the rest of the offense was having a worse day yesterday, Darnell Wright had himself a very solid day um, from what I heard. So after the after a rough first day in pads, uh, he had a better second day. And I mean, he, that, that's going to happen. I mean, if we're if you're going to try to live and die with camp reports of whatever, you know, he's doing in camp that each day, probably not the smartest thing to do. Um, I think he's just going to have his ups and downs like every offensive tackle usually does as a rookie. Um, and that's okay. But we just don't want to hear that he's consistently getting destroyed. So we will... We will go there, yeah, but I also mean, uh, he's probably learning all new. That's the thing about Darnell Wright too is he's probably learning a lot of new footwork because I mean, as we talked about when we talked about Hendon Hooker, that Tennessee offense is not real. The the footwork yeah. is not real. It's not the same thing they'd be doing in an NFL offense. So uh, he definitely does have stuff to work on there for sure. Yeah, I mean, with an offensive line in training camp in general. Uh, I think really what you're hoping for is just no injuries. You know, I'm not really, I don't really care if I got beat or didn't get beat coming out of there because everything is so weird and you never know what they're practicing in training camp anyway. Um, you just hope there aren't injuries. And unfortunately, we don't get that here this year, but I, we almost never get that, do we? So, yeah, no, we never, That I, 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 I am already, I mean, if you had asked me what the two biggest concerns I had going into camp on this roster still were, I would have told you that it, I, I'm still concerned about depth on the offensive line, um, mm. and I am still concerned about the defensive line in general. And so now they've done some stuff to address the defensive line, um, and it sounds like you know Dexter is showing out early on the defensive line as well. They've got maybe got some upside there on that defensive line now. I am still concerned about the depth on that offensive line. I am. They are they're not they they're not a, a very far away from playing mostly the same scrubs that they had last year in an emergency. So that does not fill me uh with the warm fuzzies. So uh, shifting over to a a pure positive on offense just haven't heard anything to make me uh concerned in the slightest just only good news. It really sounds like Chase Claypool is having a great camp so far. Yep. Uh, and that's awesome. That, I mean, that's probably bigger than DJ Moore having a good training camp so far because I think we all expected that DJ Moore was going to have a good training camp. I don't think DJ Moore, there are a lot of questions to be answered about DJ Moore. I mean, yes, we're all eager to get this show on the road. We want to see that the regular season version of Fields and DJ matches the hype that we have in our heads, but at the same time, like, DJ Moore is DJ Moore. He has always produced every year of his career with total shit at quarterback. I think we expect him to produce in Chicago. Um, but Chase Claypool is maybe the X factor for this offense this year. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, an offense that has two good wide receivers and DJ Moore and, and Darnell Mooney, who it does sound like is healthy, although he hasn't um, practiced a lot in 11-on-11 situations yet. But an offense with two good wide receivers, that's 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 good. It's not necessarily overwhelming. But, I mean, if they have three good wide receivers, and especially if Chase is locked in and he's playing, and the, the, the skill set that Chase has, the tools that he brings to the table that the other two guys don't really have, give this offense so much versatility. 
Um, Chase is a big-bodied dude. He is a dude that you can just sling it to and let him get yards after the catch. Um, and it, the, and I, will, I will say this, not just that Chase Claypool is having a good tra- training camp, and everyone says he is. He's impressed day in and day out. What is most comforting to me is that I'm consistently seeing things like Justin Fields fired it over the middle to Chase Claypool. Justin Fields fired it into traffic to Chase Claypool. Justin Fields put it up and let Chase Claypool go get it. So what that tells me is that Justin Fields is trusting Chase Claypool. And that's huge because we talked about this with Justin. You know, people say he doesn't anticipate and there is some truth in that. But the main problem last year was Justin only anticipates and only throws those tight window throws to the guys that he trusts. And last year, the guys that he he trusted were exclusively Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. And then Darnell Mooney missed most of the second half of the season. So it was pretty much just Komet. Chase came in. He did not immediately trust him. They did not. And then Chase got hurt right as he seems to be sort of building that rapport. Um, so to hear that, you know, Justin is is firing it to DJ Moore has zero. He has zero concerns about just gripping it, ripping it, throwing it to DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a pro. He trusts DJ is going to be where he's supposed to be. He trusts DJ is going to be open when he's supposed to be open. That's huge. Sounds like he's doing the same thing with Chase Claypool. We already know he's not afraid to put it up and let Mooney go get it. We know he's not afraid to fire it to Cole Komet in a tight window. So if if Justin is truly going from having one and a half guys, basically, that he trusted last year to having four or even five guys that he trusts and is willing to throw it to, even if he isn't a world-class processor and anticipator, if he just learns to just grip it and rip it and trust his guys a little bit more, that is probably going to be the biggest step that Justin Fields can take as a passer. So Chase Claypool being present every day, practicing every day, playing very well, that is probably the biggest news to come out of camp for this offense, period. Yeah, I mean, you're taking the, the Justin Fields side of things, so I'll, I'll take the Chase Claypool side of things on this. Uh, I I think, for me, what I've been seeing is Chase Claypool rips the ball away from Tyreek Stevenson. Chase Claypool uh, goes up and gets the ball in tight coverage, you know, really high points the ball and jumps up to get it. Chase Claypool, I saw multiple times, comes back to fight for the ball. Um, those kinds of descriptors. And the big thing that you heard about Chase Claypool, the big thing I got from Steelers fans, of which I know way too many, and I don't know how it happened, uh, is basically, uh, in a nutshell, because I don't want to use their verbiage, uh, Chase Claypool does not play to his size. He plays like uh, a wimp, we'll say. We'll say is what Steelers fans will tell you. Um, And that was my biggest concern going in here. Can Chase Claypool use his crazy frame, um, you know, to actually do NFL wide receiver things? And it seems like every catch in camp so far has been him jumping, going up to getting a ball at the highest point. It's been him fighting for the ball. It's been him beating off um, coverage to catch the ball. Um, And if Chase Claypool is going to play using all of his prodigious talent, um, yeah, that's going to be absolutely massive for the Bears to have as many as two uh, incredibly talented wide receivers on the same roster. We haven't had that since um, we had Marshall and Jeffrey. 
Um, like you said, we've got Komet, who he trusts, Mooney, who he trusts. Um, Mooney had a great quote. Um, they asked him, like, what he wants to be in this offense with all the other pass catchers we have now. And he said he doesn't want to be the fast guy who takes the top off the offense or top off the defense. He doesn't want to be uh, the big guy who, like, makes catches in traffic. He just wants to focus on being the guy who is exactly where Justin thinks he's going to be on every single play. And I was like, damn, man, that's exactly what Darnell Mooney needs to be this year. He that's... needs to be that Bobby Ingram type who's just like, he's there, he's open, I'm going to throw it to him, we're going to get seven yards. I mean, shit, come down to the second tight end, Robert Tanyan's been catching touchdowns yeah, the, all over. Yeah, the reports on, on Tanyan are very good. I mean, there 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 has been, in my opinion, and, and I again, I won't pretend that there's not some confirmation bias here. I'm learning to yeah. to hear good things about the offense, yeah, but I mean, it'll be positive. Yeah. I mean, but the, like I said, the, the speed, like the way that certain bears writers just immediately went off the deep end when the offense had one yeah. bad day. But I was focusing on the fact that I was like, yeah, you guys are cynical assholes. And this was the first day of camp, seven days in first day of camp that you guys even, found a ledge to jump off of. So that tells that's me right. for six or seven days, the offense has been playing pretty damn well. And yeah, I mean, that's... And I'm hearing all the stuff about Justin Fields that I want to hear. Like, I, am I going to get concerned about the occasional camp interception? Absolutely not. Um, that shit happens. And again, in, in camp, he, he's going to make some throws that he wouldn't even attempt in games because in games, you know, yep. instead of trying to fit that tight window throw, he's just going to tuck it and run. But he's being deliberately told not to do that right now. The whole point is to work on the passing game. Like, there, there is a whole dimension to their offense that we know is an elite dimension that is Justin Fields running the football. And they're, barely, they're not really repping that in camp because that's something that they would like to use less but always can use when they need it, when, when all of this matters. So I'm not going to worry about interception stuff, but what I'm hearing for the most part is that the ball is mostly coming out on time. He is spreading the ball around. I mean, each day, you yeah, you hear about the, the daily DJ Moore highlight, but you also are hearing about Chase Claypool. You're hearing about Cole Komet. You're hearing about Robert Tanyan. Uh, it is not... It is to compare it to the last time... I mean, it's not the last time. To, one of the last times they traded, I should say, for a, a number one wide receiver. Uh, I think we all remember 2012 when Brandon Marshall arrived and Jay Cutler basically only ever looked at him yep. on on yeah. every play. I mean, the well, so what it ended up being on the 2012 Bears, let's see here. I want, It always makes me laugh it's just going by the target. So, uh, Brandon Marshall. Okay. God, it's even worse than I remember. All right, Travis, on the 2012 Bears, Brandon Marshall had 192 targets. Uh, Holy shit. 192. Second most on the team. How many Johnny How many Forte. targets? It was Forte. How many targets did Forte have? At like 98. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, no screen passes? It's got to be that many screen passes. 59 targets. <laughs> Brandon Marshall had almost 140 more targets than the next guy. The, this is it. the 2012 Bears via targets. Brandon Marshall, 192. Forte, 59. The next highest wide receiver was Earl Bennett with 49. 
Alshon, as a rookie, had just 48. Kellen Davis had 44, and Devin Hester had 40. So, um, I don't think, God help me, I I, I really hope uh, DJ Moore does not have, let's see here, so Brandon Marshall had 192 of 481 targets, so... I'm really hoping DJ Moore does not represent literally 40% of their targets on offense. And it doesn't sound like he has has done that in camp either. So it, it does sound like Justin is spreading the ball around. Um, so that that's what you want to hear um, for sure. I, again, it's, it, is this the greatest camp of all time? Doesn't sound like it, but... More often than not, the verdict has been that the Bears look like they have a professional offense, and I think we're all just happy with that for now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the past game has looked great. Uh, God, I, I hope it looks great the, through the preseason and into the regular season. Um, but like, like we said about camp this whole time, you go into camp, if you hear a bunch of bad things consistently day after day after day, that does tend to bear itself out during the regular season. Um, good things aren't necessarily going to translate one-to-one to the regular season, but God damn, it's nice to hear some good things um, and get some good vibes because it certainly doesn't mean they're going to be bad during the regular season. Well, and I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, like, the floor, as we've talked about, is actually fairly low. They don't need to be a dominant drop back 40 times, throw it for 300 yards passing offense here. Justin Fields needs to improve his completion percentage a bit. He needs to learn to accept the check down when it's there. He needs to spread the ball around a little bit. They need to be able to pick up third downs when that when they're in. But for the most part, I mean, this is going to be a run-heavy team. They're going to probably, they're going to rely a lot on play action. They're going to rep all of that. Um, so the bar is actually fairly low here. I don't need to hear, actually, that the passing offense is great. I need to hear that the passing offense looks functional and more often than not, that's been the verdict so far. At six of the seven days of camp, it sure sounds like this looks like a functional passing offense. And that's all they need to be. Um, and so that's exciting to me. Um, do we want to talk a little bit? Uh, just catching up again with our friends up north, since you mentioned consistently bad <laughs> Before reports. we did, yes, I do. I definitely want to talk about consistently bad reports. Did you see, you were bringing up the old Bears, the most random old Bears reference of the week. Did you see uh, Tyreek Hill was asked who his inspirations were at wide receiver when he was growing up? Did you see who he named? Did he, as did he name a, a Chicago Bear? He named Johnny Knox. As an inspiration for him growing up. What? Big shout out to... Apparently, apparently he was a Johnny Knox fan, and the injury to Johnny Knox has stuck with him ever since. Well, I mean, okay, I was at that game. It stuck with me ever since, too, because I thought I watched a man die. Um... He, I like, he brought up some other guys, but he brought up guys who you'd think, you know, he's like Joey Galloway, Randy Moss, and then he was like Devin Hester and Johnny Knox. And it was like Johnny Knox from Tyreek Hill. Wow. Uh, okay. So there you go. You know, shout out to Johnny Knox from Tyreek Hill. That's got to make you feel that, good. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I mean, that that's... Johnny Johnny wasn't too bad that year before he got hurt. No, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 
I would have loved to see a world where Johnny Knox got to play alongside Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. I think that would have been very interesting to see them with a true burner, deep threat specialist and not Devin Hester, who God knows we love him and he should be in the Hall of Fame, but he was not a good wide receiver. Um, Johnny Knox, I think, was, was a little miscast as a number one ish wide receiver for a couple of years there. But I, he's a guy who absolutely could have excelled um, as like a poor man's Vincent Jackson where it's, or even a, even DK Metcalf where like, you know, DK only runs two routes, but by God, he runs the fuck out of them. Um, th- that could have been Johnny in, in a better world. Um, See, but yeah, shout no out to, shout out to Johnny and shout uh, out to Johnny. Knox. <laughs> Let's check in with with our friends up north. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we talked about this. So I, I guess before I get into Green Bay, though, because it mm-hmm. one of the things I, I did want to say is I really think Bears fans, and, and I will admit that I'm in this, including myself in this group. I think the reason that there was so much angst over one bad day of practice last year is I th- or last or yesterday. I think people are still so scarred. By that 2019 offseason especially, because the rumblings about Mitch Trubisky that offseason were loud, they were frequent, they just kept going, and and that feeling of doom was just starting to build up. And people made all of the usual defenses. It's just training camp. Patrick Mahomes threw interceptions in training camp. Blah, 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 blah. And the thing about this is, and we talked about this with Justin Fields when I was saying excuses versus explanations. The thing is, most of the excuses people make for young quarterbacks, for struggling quarterbacks, most of the time they are accurate. They really are. Like, it is just practice. Guys have bad camps. Joe Burrow had a famously bad camp before the year before he That's took true. the Bengals to the Super Bowl because he was working his way back from the ACL tear. Jamar Chase was having Jamar trouble Chase with drops. Jamar Chase was getting dunked on in the media. Yeah, it, it, like, you can find a million examples of guys who had bad training camps and then went on to be stars. You could find a million examples of guys who had good training camps and ended up being duds. And we know none of this really matters, but we are all scarred because all of the times that we defended our guy by saying it doesn't matter, it ended up mattering. And mm-hmm. and so I think whenever people start to, you know, they start to defend field at the same time, in the back of their head, they're thinking, ah, but we kind of said this about Mitch too, didn't we? And, and like we said, the difference there is I, with Mitch, I was never concerned hearing about, training camp interceptions like that shit happens i don't care about that it's not about the results in in a situation where the results don't matter what is concerning is process and that was what was always concerning about mitch was the reports that you always heard were not necessarily oh he threw an interception it was he appears to be struggling to make the correct read he is struggling to learn the offense he is struggling with the concepts and that is the shit that concerns you because yeah sometimes a guy throws an interception in in camp because like whatever he's not going to throw the ball away he's going to try to fit in a throw because what 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 do you learn by throwing the ball away in a practice um you know and that's that's what Patrick Mahomes famously said I think when he had like a seven interception day in a camp one time he was like well what do you what do you learn by throwing the ball away whatever I'm going to try to make the throw because it's practice if it's a game I wouldn't do that 
But then famously, Zach Wilson said the same thing one time about it. He was like, oh, I just, I'm just seeing what I can get away with. It's practice. And then as we saw in the regular season, that was, that was exactly how it was. So, I mean, you have to sort out the explanations from the excuses when they sound very similar, when they are very similar, when they actually are true for a lot of these guys. Um, but that was what was always concerning about Mitch was the grumblings and, and and it was also that the call seemed to be coming from inside the house. And we know now that it was. We know that that Matt Nagy was leaking to people that he really wasn't sure about Mitch already then. Um, other Bears players off the record were saying, like, yeah, I, we like this kid, but we've got some concerns. And the buzz coming out about Bears camp, the bear, the buzz coming out of Bears camp about what happened? Where, what do you like? Are you, are you fingering your mic right now? I don't think so. <laughs> I bumped my... Oh, I bumped the table that it's on, is it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's slowly sliding to the side. Yeah, hold on, let me adjust it. Sorry. Um, it The things you're hearing about Justin Fields, I mean, the, the coaching staff is raving about him, which, I mean, this is the kind of year where they rave about everybody, but still. The, the off-the-record stuff... The stuff that the national media reports hearing is all very positive. There is not that same storm, that same foreboding. Most of the, the vibes are very positive, and, and you know, people are talking about how good his grasp of the offense is, how they're giving him the more complicated stuff to do now, how they're not, you know, he's calling his own plays during the two-minute drill, things like that. So that that is, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear about camp. It's not about the results. I don't care about incompletions that went off somebody's hands or interceptions i it's it's the process you want to hear that he looks good that that he that he looks like he knows where he's supposed to go with the football on every play that he he's doing he's making the right reads he's getting the ball at a time he's getting people lined up that all seems to be good um and a place where you're not hearing that a place where a guy is in his fourth year Third year, fourth, yeah, twenty twenty fourth year, I think. It's yeah, fourth year. Third, it's fourth it is his fourth. Yeah, it's his fourth season in the same playbook in the same system, uh, and it's having a real rough go of it. We're checking in again. Uh, our, last week he was struggling with a stiff eight mile per hour wind, and this week, um, it just really, really continuing to struggle. It does sound like Jordan Love up Did north. You... Our friends in Green Bay are really struggling with with. The reality Kyle, uh, that maybe they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore. Speaking of that stiff eight mile per hour wind, we actually recorded last podcast before um, their head coach had a chance to respond to the wind narrative. Do you want to tell everybody what the coach thought about the wind? God, that <laughs> was <laughs> so funny. They asked Mike. Yeah, they asked Matt. Is it Matt Lafleur? Yeah, Matt Lafleur. Yeah. About uh, it's one of the Lafleurs. They asked Lafleur if he thought that the wind affected Jordan Love's deep balls that day. And he just responded with, was there wind? Was there wind? <laughs> yeah. Was it windy yesterday? Like, that has been my favorite part of the entire Jordan Love offseason is that every time anyone in Green Bay, like actually on the team, has been given the chance to give a vote of confidence in the guy, they have hedged so hard or just refused. They're like, yeah. Whether it's the contract, whether it's the president recently saying, like, eh, you know, we'll probably know, like, half a season in if we have anything there. Mm-hmm. And LaFleur just re- being offered this excuse for his guy and not taking it. Like, they are just, they are they are not all in on this kid. They're, they're very, they're very much not. 
Um, and so, anyways, what I had read was that the Packers, uh, they end every practice of camp with what they call a competitive period. Usually it's a two-minute drill or whatever. Um, and whichever side loses that competitive period has to do up-downs. And so far, through every single day of Packers camp, every single day, we were just talking about this in terms of Bears camp, where it feels like yesterday was the only day where the defense was considered the winner of the day. Every single day of Packers off of Packers camp so far, the defense has won. The offense has been doing the up-downs. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're hearing the same things about Jordan Love that you kind of did hear during that summer of discontent with Mitch Trubisky. There's just concerns of like, it really doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing on every play, which is concerning because this is his fourth year in the offense. He doesn't seem yeah, to know. Yeah, this isn't a rookie. This isn't yeah. rookie Mitch, you know. Yeah, this, this is his fourth year Mitch. Yeah. He's, he doesn't seem to know who his reads are. He gets happy feet when he's pressured. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, so Rob Domofsky, who, you know, covers the Packers, um, he went on ESPN and was asked about, Jordan Love. Let me try to find the direct quote because, oh boy, it was good. I sent it to you, didn't I? Let me pull it up. Yeah, it was good. Um, and you might be asking, why are you spending the last 10 minutes of your podcast just dumping Nobody's asking. on the Packers? And it's because <laughs> fuck them. That's why. Um, that's that's right. I mean, while you're looking that up, we can talk a bit about the Lions who are currently winning uh, the award for a team that is getting its offense and defense the most pissed off at each other. Uh, so a lot of camaraderie going up on Detroit oh, oh, at oh, this I, point. I, oh, I'm gonna. I don't. I'm not even sure what you're talking about. I haven't heard that, so I'm gonna let you finish that in a second. But yes, here's the quote. So Rob Domofsky of ESPN was talking about Jordan Love, and he said, "We've seen Jordan Love have one really good day. He's had one sort of decent day, and the rest. Well, you walk off the practice field thinking that this might be a really, really long year. And I don't know, guys. I don't, maybe it's." Maybe he's going to come out week one, set the world on fire, we'll all be eating crow, but God, even just for one brief moment in time, doesn't it feel good to have those motherfuckers squirming over their quarterback's performance in training camp? Like, welcome to how the other half lives, you sons of bitches. This is what life is like. <laughs> you read Twitter in July going, oh God, or is our passing game going to be ass again? So, yeah, anyways, tell me about the Lions. What are the, what are the Lions doing? Yeah, um, I mean, Jameson Williams has been fighting with people, having to sit down. We have had um, the defense led by C.J. Gardner-Johnson um, has been having some good days, and uh, he, uh, I guess his style of leadership at this point is getting on the offense's nerves as best he can. Um, I know you come in as a new guy, maybe you don't know people there, um, and you feel a little better about shitting on them, but it sounds like after every good play, the Lions' defense is running to the sideline, chirping at the coaches, uh, chirping at the players who are on the sidelines, going after the offense. Um, I know in Bears camp we had a little word about like the defense celebrating plays, and Justin was actually like, don't get mad at them. Like, when we succeed, I want you to do that back to them. I want this to be a competitive environment. Um, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of hostility being fomented out there. Maybe this is on purpose. Maybe Dan Campbell's good with that. He of the, the ankle biting, um, and, and biting you to death if he needs to. Uh, but it, it sounds like there's a lot going on, uh, over there in Detroit. Now, now this is, again, this is training camp. Um, and to a certain extent, 
you're going to get a lot of anger and resentment built up until you have those inter-team practices where we always get some juicy fights. Uh, I don't know why they still do those, uh, but I do look forward to them for the content. Um, but yeah, I mean, just between between the Lions coming out and saying, hey, maybe you're overhyping us. This doesn't feel very good. We just had Dan Campbell today come out and say Jameson Williams is never going to have a lead hand. Yes, I was just going to ask if he was going to say that, that out now. They were, is, they're just fighting. You just asked this man about your first round wide receiver from last year, and yeah. the first thing he says is like, "Look, is he ever going to have great hands like those elite wide receivers?" No, okay, catch. But he Sorry. can be good. He can be good enough with his speed. Like, why? Why would you say that? Happening. Why would you say that? I'm glad you saw that too. That, oh my God. Uh, I, I saw I, that I, pop up, and I was like, "Do they just all hate each other?" Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it really does sound like so Jamison Williams. I mean, I, I've heard rumblings that like he's not well liked in that clubhouse. He didn't seem to put yep. in a lot of effort. I mean, in the, I mean, the the Lions GM made that comment earlier this year before the six game suspension came down about how you know Jamison needed to show accountability and needed to own his part of the process and everything and. Here he he's struggled with injuries and he struggled with drops in camp last year. He had more drops than receptions. So um, I will say I'm still. We talked about this last week when we were talking about the Lions. I'm still not exactly sure. Like with Williams out for those six games and and not really singing like a sure thing. Anyways, who who are their other wide receivers? Like, are we really like is Khalif Raymond really supposed to scare me? Like I mean, yeah, you're down to Amon Ross St. Brown. I guess and, I guess they nothing. I guess they brought back Marvin Jones, which again, I that Marvin Jones. He's Mar- a thousand years Marvin old. Marvin Jones yeah, I was gonna say Marvin Jones might be fifty years old, dude. Well, and they did add they did add Denzel Mims, who I think theoretically could be like a situational deep threat. Um obviously hasn't flashed that much the last couple of years with the Jets, but you know, Zach Wilson had something to say about that. Uh but yeah, I mean that's that, that is one of the crazier things about the Lions is that people talk about them like they have this truly loaded offense but I mean they the wide receiver depth chart at behind St. Brown's pretty concerning at this point um they are starting a rookie tight end I mean we both like Sam Laporta but rookie tight ends Mm -hmm. don't historically produce right away he's been been missing camp too for some reason that's a that's a good that is a good offensive line, but I mean, it's it, again, it's I don't see this truly yeah. outstanding offense that everyone's talking about. Like, I think they maybe, if anything, overperformed a little bit last year and might come back to earth a little bit. I don't see a ton of talent on that roster just waiting to break out. So. Yeah, I think Laporta just got in today. Um, like, I. They seem to be at each other's throats. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah. But yeah, all the stuff coming out of Lions and Packers camp has been uh, pretty, pretty damn miserable so far, and I'm yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah, it, it's you know you can't win the off season, but it's it's certainly things could be worse from a Bears perspective than they are right now. So yeah, the Bears had an off day today from camp, and hopefully they resume tomorrow. Hopefully it'll be a better day for an offense. Hopefully maybe Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis will be back out there. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, you'd like to see the offensive line start to put together some good performances, and hopefully the offense keeps stacking good days. But yeah, that's 
the first week of Bears training camp in the books, worth talking about. Some good news. Not a lot of truly bad news. Like you said, no injuries, nothing, mm-hmm. no major injuries anyways, nothing right now that has you going, fuck, that's, you know, and we've added Yannick and Gakwe to the mix, so I'll be excited to hear what he's out, how soon he gets involved in camp, and what he starts to do, but, yeah, I mean, it, as far as first weeks of camp go, it's more good than bad, that's, we're, we're trending up, baby. I don't know when the last time we could say that is, yeah, I mean, positive for the Bears, negative for the Bears rivals, feeling pretty good right now, hopefully this isn't a time capsule we will look back on, sadly, in a few weeks, and everybody stays healthy. Yeah, that would be good. So we'll see you folks next week. We'll probably talk more training camp, but I'm sure there'll be other stuff to talk about around the league as well. Some preseason games are started. We had the Hall of Fame game tonight. I didn't really watch any of it other than that I saw, briefly saw Zach Wilson scrambling for a first down, trying to scramble for a first down before getting sacked by the turf monster. So... That's right. The Bears, so the Hall of Fame game is a week before the other game starts. We got another week until the Bears yeah. play the Titans, right? I believe so. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, next week we can tell you all some good news about Yannick and Gakaway doing stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. But not too much stuff because then we'll freak out about our offensive line. So Good point. Good point. Put him on Braxton works. Jones. Don't make me worry about Darnell Wright. How about that? I don't want to worry about Braxton Jones either. Put him up against the... <laughs> Put him up against the second-team offensive line and just tell me all about how he's clowning Larry Borum. We'll be I, we didn't talk about P.J. Walker. Folks, he's going to throw interceptions. It's fine. You'll you'll love watching him one or two Dude. games this year. He's just going to throw it 50 Dude. yards and say, fuck it. Are, is there, are people concerned about P.J. Walker's performance in training camp? I don't think so, but he's thrown a remarkable number of interceptions. So I far. mean, that <laughs> shooter's gonna shoot, man. Shooter's gonna shoot. Yes, he is. That's 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 what you gotta. That's what it is. I'm, I'm right, ready well, for good, it, man. All right. Well, good night, folks. Bear down. Now you know I'm leaving here.